Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Central Texas Life with Ann Harder. Hello and welcome to Central Texas Life, the podcast. Ann Harder here with you, and it is my great pleasure to... uh, Welcome to the podcast, Congressman Pete Sessions. Your friend. <laughs> friend, that's exactly right. Our representative for a District 17 handily won re-election. Uh, and as we speak, just days ago, um, by 66.5% of the vote, I think, over your Democrat challenger. So Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So here, here we are not really knowing for sure about the balance of power in the House. That's right, and I've spoken several candidates today, and of course we get to watch on TV this thing play out. What's interesting, Ann, is that there was some bit of uh, this discussion about voting irregularity, abnormality, and inconsistencies across the country, and so a large number of Republican candidates chose, or people uh, associated with the conservative cause, chose to say, go on the last day and vote. And so there are an incredible number of ballots yet to be counted. That were early vote. An early that vote. That were mailed that in. Or mailed in. Okay. Or were at a drop box even. Yeah. Don't go until the last day. And then, and in lots of places. And what was the rationale for that? Well, the, the questioning is, as things are reported, you see what are reported, and there's some viewpoint that uh, where there is manipulation, they don't know how, to, how much to manipulate. I got you. You don't have a <laughs> runaway election when you're manipulating. Yeah, you're some lessons the, were learned, shall we say, from Well, I would say unlessons were learned. Yeah. Uh, most people really do not have a real succinct idea about what kind of irregularities, abnormalities, and inconsistencies took place. And that is essentially part of my job. I sit on government reform. I was the subcommittee ranking member for a subcommittee called Liberty and Law. Mm -hmm. Uh, Those three characteristics, the big things we handle are FISA, which is foreign intelligence, the border, and voting federal elections. Right. So I have done deep dives in these and I'm not the expert, but talked to a good number of experts in the states who 
do understand abnormalities, inconsistencies, and irregularities. And there are people, so this became um, a viewpoint. So yeah. I spoke to a, a person in Arizona. I've spoken to a person in California. The viewpoint was we're gonna we're gonna get ours in the in the mailbox or in the mail or at at the distribution center the last day. Hmm. Interesting. So that's why there's this vast number. So that's why people are still holding out, saying, "Hold on, not over." Right. Exactly. Um, of course, you know I harken back to the old days where on election night you knew pretty much who won and and well so that, that is the way it is in a number of states exact texas seemed to be able to uh do seemingly it. uh i i won't call us uh because i'm aware of voting abnormalities inconsistencies and irregularities <laughs> you got that uh, down <laughs> here, well that is what it is yeah, I yeah right you know you didn't uh, invent it but yeah. well and that's why you're able to have a discussion that these election officials will not respond to so that's part of being in the majority. We're going to have these discussions now because the Democrats were not interested. They wanted to accuse us of things, but they did not actually want to come and ask questions. And, and maybe s- find some solutions so well, things giving can be answers. Fixed. I mean, yeah. answers are what we need. I'm not these are not accusations. Right. They are obvious and and we we, we don't know intentional. We don't know but when the state of Texas will not even ask their own questions or a county administrator, uh, valid administrator, elections administrator won't answer questions. Then one would say, why not? Why will they not engage official federal representation that has that oversight responsibility? Well, it, it kind of is their job too. Well, it might be, but yeah. why, why wouldn't they want right. to? Oh, so yeah. this has led people then say, we'll right. just vote late. And okay, well, long answer, but that that's fascinating. I was not um, not not aware of that, but I think. Well, I'll just ask you: What is your feeling about it? Do you feel like the GOP will take the House? Uh, my feeling is is that based upon what we presently look at, we we do anticipate. Mm-hmm. Okay. That. So with with that, we but we'd conti- anticipated knowing a lot earlier, and yeah, we'd that's anticipated for sure, yeah. there being maybe some more specific results that would have been available a day or two ago, right? Which would have taken this uh, guessing away. Uh, away, right? Um, but working under the the assumption that that will be the case, uh, what in your mind is the first thing that needs to be done? The uh, first thing that's done is we need actually to look at what we need uh, from our leadership team. I sat uh, for 10 years in Republican leadership. We had a pretty clear idea, at least among ourselves, if not expressed openly, about what we intended to do and what how we needed the team to react to that. I think. Uh, that's the biggest issue. Uh, second thing is issues that impact the country. Uh, we have a border problem. The open border is the largest single national security issue and has caused every state to be a border state. There are 300 essentially young people, 19 to 35, that are dying every day. 300 because of the open border of fentanyl, 
that is coming directly from China through Colombia or Mexico, transported up. The drug cartels are complete. This is not a new issue. Right. Completely in charge of the border, completely in charge of the routes in Mexico. Uh, they are making a uh, billion dollars. They used to make uh, a few years ago off smuggling uh, tens of a hundred million. They're now uh, ten and twelve times that because the number of people coming across they control. Uh, there's conversations with people that we do know about, confirmed by federal law enforcement, where people can't pay. They uh, pay it off by working for the cartel once they get here. Uh, the marketing organization of these cartels in working with uh, China is very apparent, and it is uh, a marketing effort. You've seen where they uh, put drugs in candy. They try and hide things. They make them available. They are killing our children. And this is, in my opinion, the number one issue. And it might take, so the question is, okay, how do you go about doing that? Well, yesterday we've, we've, we, we heard President Biden say, no policy changes, none. Well, I think that was a, 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 an easy view to take as a message, but actually the House of Representatives under this thing called the Constitution has Article One, Section 7, Article One, Section 7, which we utilized and utilized every year we were in the majority, says that all revenue matters start in the House of Representatives. Now, you might say, well, you won't get agreement with the Senate. That, that's right. They still start in the House of Representatives. And so if there is no funding mechanism, there is no mechanism for following through to pay for the government. So I believe that we have been given by the Constitution the – now it's the will that we need to have – to say we are going to, uh, as a signing bonus, we're the majority, here's what we want done. Now, you would say, well, what kind of track record do you have in that, Pete? Well, the track record we have goes back to a guy named uh, Bill Clinton, uh, President Clinton. Then we had uh, George W. Bush. Then we had a guy named Barack Obama. Then we've got a guy named Donald Trump. Now we've had President Biden. The characteristics that are interesting with the those Democrats, President Clinton, President Obama, President Biden, is they both lost their majority, at least in the House, after two years mm -hmm. because of excessive spending, unwise policy, and uh, use of America's future that they put in jeopardy. So the Republican House had to come back, even though we could not necessarily negotiate with the Senate. We came back with answers to each one of those. And President Clinton, President Obama, as an example, President Obama changed 13 different piece parts of his Obamacare mm -hmm. health care plan that we changed and he signed into law. So there was a recognition. There was a, you, a, a do, negotiation. Do you, do you think that will happen with Joe Biden? Well, the problem is, is that if he doesn't, we won't. Right. He, if he does not negotiate, which is part of the American uh, 
framework of not just politics but constitutional government, we will then be in a split government circumstance. And so then that's why our leadership needs to say, here's what we want in regard to that. Mm -hmm. Is it uh, hardball? Yeah, it may end up being hardball. Is it the right thing to do? I think arguing for our children, for the safety of our streets and cities, uh, for national security, I'm willing to say all out. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, And I I think uh, the president is a little bit concerned that as the uh, balance of power shifts in the House, that there might be some investigation into uh, his son Hunter and the famous laptop and uh, all that. What you would care to weigh in on any of that? Sure. What what steps might need to be taken? Or well, I I would say in that I, I would ask that you see that the problems are larger than just the Hunter Biden laptop. Mm-hmm. We believe that I believe as a member of government reform we should uh, agree that we are going to come and ask questions of the attorney general. This is the Department of Justice, which is being led by an attorney general that if, if we wanted to make it personal, we could, but it's, this is policy, and his policies need to be understood his policies that are on top of the FBI, the, the, where the line of delineation about where the Bureau makes decisions, where the Department of Justice makes decisions. And I would go back to any early point, but probably a point of when we had the Attorney General of the United States specifically tell the FBI to go into Virginia and go after parents uh, that were standing up for their children in school board meetings and and had a law enforcement producing what I consider to be political outcomes as opposed to uh, a law enforcement organization. Remember, FBI, fidelity, bravery, integrity, FBI. Mm-hmm. My father was a former director. Yes, the indeed director. he was. Yeah, My father also understood, and and few people remember this today, he got fired by President Clinton for him not doing what Janet Reno wanted the Bureau to become. Yeah. And So this the this seeds or, of this go the, back. They go, they go back. Yeah. And it is an activist view of the use of, of uh, federal law enforcement for political powers. Now Horrifying. you would say, yeah. you would say, well, this has been done somewhat in the pasture in segregation, right. uh, university of Mississippi. Yes, but that was with a court order, right? There were different well, la- layers of things. It was a right. court order, right? It was not an administration. It was right. sure an administration showing up to, to, uh, Judge Johnson's court to indicate what their position was. This is actually the Attorney General of the United States telling federal law enforcement. So, my conversation that I have had publicly, not privately, with Director Ray is he has, just as my dad had, an obligation to, to uh, be careful with the Bureau's recommendation and reputation about what they do. And, of course, it leads to conflict. Yeah. So uh, we're going to vet the attorney general 
what what are you advi- telling them to do? And then somewhere in that line, obviously, will be the Hunter Biden laptop. And and the assumption there is, obviously, you're not equally weighing justice. You are delaying uh, this as as uh, perhaps a political persuasion, a, a, a based upon the president, based mm-hmm. upon some position that you attorney general have taken and we'd like to vet that and Mm -hmm. this is exactly what republicans did with janet reno Uh, she was asked to be uh, three different times i think she appeared four times but three different times before government reform and three of those times she went to the hospital for exhaustion and did not show so she let that lent itself to Instead of her defending her own actions, it lent itself to a broadside attack of the conclusion. So we very carefully got the U.S. attorney then. I mean, the string goes all the way down Mm -hmm. to where we then went, okay, the attorney general, Janet Reno, is not up to this. She cannot take the scrutiny as a professional. The job is bigger than than the attorney general, even though she's longest-serving attorney general. So we went to U.S. attorneys and found out there were huge inconsistencies of their recommendation and what she ended up saying. And I think that that is illuminating and important in, in our life of not just the Department of Justice, but oversight to them. Mm-hmm. I'm Zach. And I'm Mike. And we have a fantastic new podcast to tell you about. Bros, Foes, and Heroes. It's the two of us looking into the world of comics, breaking down some characters that you may have never heard of, and some that are just absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, so Zach comes up with a character each time, and uh, I go into it just completely blind. I don't know who this person is or what their abilities are or anything, and and basically I guess we kind of go over their origin story. And just some of the ridiculous stuff that maybe, especially Golden Age stuff. Oh, Golden yeah. Age stuff is always the best. And we will make sure to highlight all of the shenanigans and just absolute weirdness yeah. of everything. Yeah, that's right. So subscribe today and uh, follow us on Instagram at Bros Bros Heroes. And if you don't, I know where you live. Not really, but please subscribe. <laughs> Bros and Bros and Heroes. Gonna tell you about pros and foes and heroes. Gonna tell you about. Hi, this is Sarah. And I'm Carter. And this is Some of Our Thoughts. We're two Southern sommeliers, and we want to share everything we love and know about wine. We started hanging out during quarantine and cooking and drinking and listening to music. And we just thought this would be a great way to bring everything we know to you guys. We will make wine knowledge and food pairings easy and approachable. So put on your favorite vinyl, grab your favorite glass of wine, tune into our show, 
and let's have some fun. Wine and Dino. So check us out on RogueMediaNetwork.com or wherever you get your favorite podcast. We'll be talking about a lot. One Star Rewind, a new podcast about those dreaded one-star reviews that every business owner hates to receive, but yet every customer loves to read. During this podcast, we will peel back that one-star review to better understand how it happened, when it happened, and what the business owner is doing after receiving that one-star review. This podcast will be about love, hate, and laughter. On One Star Rewind, we will meet with real business owners who will tell their stories and how they do rely on reviews for their business. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or download us at roguemedianetwork.com. Please subscribe, but only rate and review for not a one-star review. Join us each time for a new review and a new story. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. You spend a lot of time in the district. I think you're, you're kind of proud of the fact that if you don't have to be in Washington on the weekend, you are you are in the district hearing your. Well, I've never spent a weekend in Washington while elected. Yeah. As as a member of Congress, mm-hmm. I've I've never done that. I don't derive my power from there. Likewise, I think it's important that you, you know, I go to church. <laughs> I want to be here. I right. don't want to be there. I want to be somewhere in the district and. There are people who uh, have that same viewpoint, so the, the viewpoint is shared by people. Mm-hmm. And and you're also very giving of your time to uh, to help other uh, conservative candidates in their in their their quest uh, for election. Let's talk a little bit about that. Some folks well, you've worked with. Sure, uh, we've got uh, a couple that I have used uh, money mm-hmm. to give to. One of them is a guy named Steve Shabbat who at this point is behind in Ohio, don't know what's going to happen. Another one is a man named Scott Ball. Uh, I know these men personally. I've mm-hmm. taken time. I talked to Scott this morning for a few minutes, uh, which is where I gathered some of, gleaned some of the information about the walk-in or mail-in ballots. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've helped uh, our candidates down in the Valley, uh, but I deeply believe that there are characteristics of people who are running for the right reason, and those are people who I endorse and I help them uh, with um, common sense approach. Uh, there are some people who just like to get endorsements from one or two big names, and uh, I choose to be the kind, and I was chairman of the National Republican Congressional Committee, and during that period of time, 
we hold the record net 63 seats in 2010. And that is because we, from a mature, uh, disciplined perspective, sold the fight. I still believe it is possible today that if you go and with discipline and with understanding of what you're attempting to accomplish, you can do it. Mm-hmm. That people will weigh and measure that and they will compare and contrast. And after all, these are things that we want from voters. We want from voters to, by and large, understand what are the issues? What are some of the thoughts and ideas for that? And what can I as a candidate be counted on uh, to support? It's not conservative or liberal or progressive or moderate. It is actually on an issue-by-issue basis. And then uh, people who would wish to choose to be with you can be with you. And then people who are swing voters, which is essentially, I call it a 40-40-20 country, mm-hmm. 40% here, 40% here, and 20% in the middle. I think it's now 24% in the middle. You think so? I do. I, I, I think it's 24%. So that that not the middle has grown but rather people who will make a decision about either voting or not voting and then which way they vote. If I were a a political science professor, and I've taught lots of classes but am not a pro at this, uh, they they teach how decision-making is and where and how people make decisions and what that decision-making tree or table is. And I think that's still alive today, but it also gets back to – how you sell the fight, how you present yourself, and how you go about uh, touching base with people. So mm-hmm. uh, they, these are things that we try and teach to, to candidates. Right, and a lot of I think there will be a lot of uh, new people in Congress that not not politician types, not run for office before. I mean, some really new, fresh eyes Perhaps, on problems. Perhaps. Uh, I find that newer people don't want to vote. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, they can't make tough decisions. Yeah, yeah they're just kind of they're overwhelmed. All of a sudden, well, they, they're, I would say this. There isn't one candidate that I've seen that didn't think every problem could be solved in a campaign. Hmm. You get where it's got to get 218 votes. It's got to go through a process. It's got to get to the Senate. It's got... It becomes far, far more complex, and this is where promises get hard. Mm -hmm. So what I would say to you is is that I tend to look at new candidates, that I want them to come up and learn their skill set and their trade and know what they're selling more than us thinking they're a valuable asset. The valuable Mm -hmm. asset is they either make you the majority or the minority. (laughs) Right, right. I think increasingly I see uh, where people need to actually understand that what what they said they were going to do and following up to get that done is a lot of hard work. Mm-hmm. And so they, they tend to then see that longer view once they get elected. And, and this is where the difference between Republican and Democrat, liberals and conservatives – uh, it gets very difficult, and that translate to people who are unhappy or happy either way. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's um, talk a little bit about uh, Kevin McCarthy speakership. How do you see things changing, and will that it affect you? Are you going to stay? You want to stay on the committees you're involved with? Will there be some changes for you there? 
I think that uh, as of right now, there's a lot of uncertainty about, uh, I think it's generally thought that Republicans would be in the majority. Right. What's majority? 218. Mm-hmm. Are we gonna 208 be t- as we speak. Uh, but we got to get to 218. Right. Somebody has to get to 218 first. There will be no tie. Yeah. Uh, 217 is a tie. 218 is not a tie. Uh, with the majority comes uh, literally all the power. Power of chairmanship, power of deciding what will be on the floor, when it's on the floor, uh, there is some shared power in there. As chairman of the Rules Committee, I had uh, extraordinary powers uh, to exercise, and you have to be wise about how you do that and not about self-serving. Uh, but the the problems that we get into, which we have had in the past, moving an agenda at 218 or 219 votes uh, becomes a little bit more complex. And so you tend to look at the leadership model. I think our leadership model right now, I happen to believe the president has dug in. Yeah. And there are huge issues that must be not just addressed, but accomplished. And because of the knowledge that I believe that I have, I'm sure others do too. They can figure it out. But this Article 1, Section 7 you're going to have to have a tough guy, yeah. woman. You're going to have to have a tough person who will effectively understand not only the tools at their discretion, but the need and desire to sell that. And so I think that's what our party, Kevin McCarthy or not, I'm not discussing that. Mm-hmm. Let's see where we are, and then the outcome of that will decide and should decide what kind of a person do we need? So uh, in our past, we've had these kinds of people mm-hmm. who are uh, tough guys. Yeah, tough guys uh, who held people accountable, who uh, found ways to get things done. A guy named Tom DeLay yep. is, is one name that comes up. And Tom mm-hmm. uh, effectively uh, uh, played to win. He did not play to not to lose. He did not play for a tie. Uh, he decided where that bullseye would be. As an Eagle Scout, I talk a lot about, uh, we do map and compass things in scouting. We learned how to get a map and then the analogies of how you live your life. I grew up as a Methodist, uh, living a life true north. Well, there's also, when you learn about map and compass, there's a term called declination. And declination is that difference between magnetic north and true north. Mm -hmm. I think Tom looks at true north. That's the way he was raised. That's the way he sees the world. I think we're looking for somebody like Tom DeLay who also understands declination. That you don't have to be perfect, but you got to be within four degrees of it. And four out of 360 degrees is pretty, pretty good. So Mm -hmm. now... The, the question is, at what cost does that person get there? Because I think you've seen that the, the people who tout things that are uh, philosophically true north get butchered in our world. Yeah. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to take someone that has neither gain nor profit uh, a willingness to say, our country is facing a crisis. 300 people a day 
is a crisis. That's mm-hmm. like a full airplane crashing every day. Somebody would say something if we were crashing airplanes, but we say nothing, and the Democratic Party in this administration hides behind whatever they choose to do to ignore this. We cannot ignore it. Mm-mm. Um this sort of leads me to the next question having to do with with how the the rhetoric, the division is so stark. And um, is there any way to bring back a little more civility to the discourse? Well, civility is a very interesting uh, word. Uh, I was chairman of the Rules Committee. I was probably the nicest, but I would say most effective. A lot of people believe that chairman of the rules committee because I would allow debate. I allowed, you don't learn anything if you don't hear from, well, you know, making decisions also they'll, they'll burn your clock down. Yeah. Uh, I had Mrs. Pelosi that came for me at the rules committee for three and a half hours. She was the minority leader. She wanted to talk about healthcare and I just required that people talked about the subject. But I think that the debate and knowing where people are beats the stuffings out of, well, this is just where we are. And this is where I think the Democratic Party uh, has fooled America because the president doesn't say why he wants the borders to be open. He just wants that policy. Right. So it's up to us to guess. And this is where I think being in the majority, we will actually say to Secretary Marcus. What is the policy that you're trying to get done? Well, we don't. We believe we should have completely open borders, allow as many people to come in the United States, drugs, uh, uh, illegals that might be dangerous on a watch list. It's okay with us. Well, human trafficking. I mean, go oh, down the list. Tra- we could keep going H- down the list. Horrific things that of, are happening to people because of this. And we in Texas seem to know about it. And, well, they know about it in Iowa, and, and they know about it in exactly, New York. Exactly, and, and now in... Martha's Vineyard, they know about it. I mean, that well, was a stroke of genius, is, I you, think, on on uh, Governor Abbott's part to send a few busloads. Let, let's say what's good for the goose is good for the gander. <laughs> but that's not my point. My yeah. point is engaging them and getting them to either be silent yeah. or to state what it is. And then if they're going to be silent, not defend themselves, then it is fair to add your, your uh, information. So... We know that President uh, Biden, when he was a candidate, chose to hang out in the basement. We know that in Arizona, Carrie Lake's opponent chose not to debate her. I know. We know that uh, uh, this Senate race in in Pennsylvania, how that not only materialized itself but turned out. And so the other side has learned to hide. Yeah. It's, and then it's, watch us state what we're for and then them criticize that. So yeah. and we're, we've got to move us to a higher point. And I think that was your point. How do you get to a higher dialogue? How do you actually get? And, and I think it's, it's important on both sides. Yeah, I can make it happen. Well, we could go on and on. I want to be respectful of your time. You've got a speech to make. Uh, momentarily i like to end these uh these visits with all of my guests with a it's a little questionnaire similar to the one the the late great james lipton would use on inside the actor's studio it's my take on it and the first question what is your favorite word can have a down syndrome son uh and alex is 28 and i taught him 
from the earliest word, the word is can. And if he remembers, so you can say to him, Alex, what's the word? Can. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. Your least favorite word? Uh, no. Yeah. Uh, what turns you on creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? I think a uh, connect. Uh, I connected uh, by going to church every Sunday. My grandfather wrote the God and Country Award. Uh, both my grandparents were, grandfathers were PKs. I mean, my parents are PKs right. as a result of their fathers. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I connected uh, materially in my brain and uh, at Philmont Scout Ranch, which is a Boy Scout ranch My in northern, been there, yeah. <laughs> northern New Mexico, northeast yeah. New Mexico, yeah. uh, at uh, 12,500 feet at uh, about 11 o'clock at night looking into the heavens. Mm. And not just the shooting stars, but the Milky Way. And there is a an order to who we are and what this universe is. When you learn uh, medicine, uh, when you see how intense uh, the Lord, our God, is and what is created, there's still a lot of things we don't know. But it's up to us to find out. But I, I connect spiritually uh, with the out doors, with my country, and with my faith. Mm. Well, then what turns you off uh, creatively or emotionally or spiritually? I think what turns me off is people that uh, conjure up a lack of respect and blame somebody for their own insecurities. Mm-hmm. What sound do you love the most? Uh, the sound I love the most would be, uh, you, know, you ask me something I've never, I, I enjoy uh, music. And I think uh, a bass guitar, I really like. <laughs> I, I, I liked it in Lone Survivor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I like that sound, what, what it produces, and with uh, high efficiency to motivate me. Mm-hmm. Then what's your least favorite sound? Uh, probably my least favorite sound would be uh, uh, hearing, which I do. I live next to a fire station at 2.30 in the morning hearing someone knowing they're in distress and yeah. needing help. Yeah. So I hear a siren mm-hmm. at 2 in the morning. I've heard that before from, yeah, from I, guests. I, very close. Yeah. Oh, I know it is. Um, you've been a public servant for many years. What other profession would you like to have tried? Well, I, I wanted to be a Marine Corps officer. And uh, this was, uh, I got out of college at a time when uh, we had a guy whose name was uh, Jimmy Carter, uh, who was, I think, next to President Biden, the worst president we've ever had. Uh, Inconsistent behavior about the understanding of our military, uh, which is why I deeply developed my content from Hans Morgenthal, Politics Among Nations, what is the responsibility of things? So I wanted to be a Marine Corps officer, mm-hmm. and actually I worked during the summers for AT&T, and so I just chose to be with AT&T but wanted to be a Marine Corps uh, officer. Mm-hmm. What what profession do you know you would not want to do? You know, I, I don't know. I love picking up trash. I love cleaning up things. Yeah. I, I love cooking uh, a profession I probably would not want to do. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I talked to a guy this morning, the head of the National Forests in Texas, uh, and he's out of Lufkin, Texas. And I told him, 
I grew up wanting to also to be. <laughs> you wanted to do that. Too. Yeah, I, 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 a scout. <laughs> Sounds I've been, like I've it. I've climbed yeah. around Mount Everest. I've climbed Mount Rainier. I've been uh, all five canyons of Big Bend. Mm. I like the outdoors. So the least one I'd like to do would be, uh, would be uh, probably a, a drug counselor. Yeah, and we need them, but. Well, I would not be made for that because yeah. I, I, I don't admire a lack of discipline. Yeah. yeah. And I'm, I'm, I do understand addiction, but I'm, I, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm like quit doing that if yeah. that's a problem. So yeah, <laughs> probably that. I, I hear that. Finally, what do you want to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Welcome. Uh, my son, good and faithful servant, you have made mistakes. You're human. Uh, by the way, your dad is over here. Yeah. Yeah, thank you so much. I love my dad. I know. I know. Another fine public servant. And um, we are in your debt. Thank you so much. All the best. Only wanted to, to do well enough to get invited back in. <laughs> hey, well, we, we absolutely do when we actually know <laughs> what the balance of power will be. But, yeah, let's let's make this a regular thing. I'd, I'd love to keep keep on top of what's happening in Washington. And we thank you for your service. Yes, ma'am. Pete Sessions, thank you. And we thank you for being with us. Join us again. Bye-bye. Central Texas Life with Ann Harder is part of the Rogue Media family. Be sure to check out our other shows at roguemedianetwork.com. Please rate this show five stars on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Join us again soon for more Central Texas Life with Ann Harder.